0: Good morning, Doctor. This is a 602 mitigator. You'll see some pleasant colors, hear a light buzzing, and experience a great sense of relief in no time at all. You can wipe my mind. Absolutely not.
1: Mandalarias.
2: and move milkers everywhere welcome to episode number 349 of blast points this is jason and escape we're talking about the mandalorian season three chapter 19 the convert So a wild wild style episode it's funny because it wasn't what i expected even though it kind of was what we expected because the night before we we're like i wonder if this is they're just going to do one about Dr. Pershing and, and totally not really talk about Mando at all. And even though we were kind of expecting that, it still felt unexpected to me just how much Dr. Pershing we got. Like, it's the longest episode. Is it the longest episode of all of them other than the uh, season two? No, it's even longer than the – no, the season two premiere with the with Great the, uh, Dragon, I think, is still the longest one, right? Because that's like an episode and a half. Right. But it's it's kind of nuts that we got, yeah, a jumbo sized Dr. Pershing episode. One of the biggest shows in the world. And let's dedicate the whole thing, mostly, but 80% of it to Dr. Pershing, what everybody's been asking for, but what about Dr. (laughs) Pershing? And I was, you know, like this episode, I was like having a great time while I was watching. There's so much like neat stuff going on and like moments where i was just like wait what what oh what What? 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 but then afterwards i was like man that episode was a colossal bummer yeah but i love it but it is it is like a bummer town of an episode yeah it's kind of it's it's kind of a mean episode <laughs> for because you're like it spends the whole episode making you like dr pershing and then it just has this horrible everything horrible happens to him at the end But I'm sure we're not done with Dr. Pershing, and I hope we'll find out more what's going on. But that was one thing, like watching it again, like the first time I felt like I knew what was going on. And then the second time I was like, maybe I don't know what's going on and maybe we won't see him again. And this was just like giving us an episode to find out his story before they wipe his mind. And now he's like gone. Or are they just trying to reconvert him back to the Empire First Order to work on cloning stuff. I really don't even know what I think anymore. So maybe I'm like Dr. Pershing and the episode erased my memory. (laughs) You got hooked up to the Mind Flayer with this episode. Well, and and this episode did because, true story, after the episode I was driving my son to school and I was thinking about Dr. Pershing and I totally missed his school and ended up driving almost all the way to my daughter's school and had to turn (laughs) around and go back because I was thinking about Dr. Pershing. <laughs> was your was your son like where are you where are you going? No and I, so I was like why didn't you tell me I missed your school. <laughs> I think he was asleep. <laughs> Too busy thinking about Dr. Pershing a single tear going down your cheek. Yeah. Yeah. The title. The convert. I mean the Mandalorian chapter titles are always fascinating. But like if you look up the definition of convert, what does it mean? First definition. To change in form, character, or function, or change one's religious faith or other beliefs, or a person who has been persuaded to change the religious faith or other beliefs. Which makes me look at this episode as a whole, because there there is the Pershing thing, which is huge, but then there's also the ending with Bo. Din and the Mandalorians and it's like we have several converts in this episode well and that was the thing I was going back and forth with because I think after watching the episode the first time I was like huh I kind of there was part of me that was like I kind of wish they would have just cut the Mando Din parts or the Mando bow parts up completely and just did a full like right into Dr. Pershing so there wasn't like that kind of because it did take me a while to like adjust to being back to dr pershing after just how intense and exciting the like the first couple minutes was but then watching it the second time i'm like okay it kind of feels like they don't go together but they actually do because yeah what you're saying at the end where the the other convert is potentially Katan now being part of the children of the watch but also just the setup at the beginning where they got chased off by imperials and then it's like oh they're still Imperials. What's going on with them? And then we cut to Coruscant and the the Amnesty people. They do go together. The The bookends of the episode with Din and Bo and the Dr. Pershing Coruscant story. When it's like all the stuff been, I was talking about for the past couple weeks too, with like the themes that seem to be going on this season where I was talking about like what people believe and change, how we're everywhere like, in has gone, either the location has changed or the people have changed, and like even in those like definitions of convert that I read, every single one of those definitions has the word change in them or b- changing someone's beliefs. And you look at like what's going on in this episode, and it's it, there was a lot of stuff going on with this episode, like right when it came out, where a lot of people were comparing it to. Andor, right? And some some people were weird about it, of course. But it's it's not so much with comparing this show to that show in terms of like the style or whatever people's preference and the way they like their television stories told. This show directly relates to Andor, or this episode relates to Andor in a really fascinating way, where we we see so much of Coruscant. At the height of the Empire in Andor, and all these characters like Luthen and Mon Mothma, they're working to get to the Coruscant that we see in this episode, the Coruscant of the New Republic without the Empire's rule. And while things have changed, you know, almost like the Dave Navarro Planet and Grief Karga, have they changed? Because we see there's still like horrible things going on. And I love the metaphor of the mountain peeking out of like that little fair on Coruscant where they're like, oh, can we, back in the days of the Empire, you couldn't touch it. Pershing goes to touch it and the droid immediately comes out and says, you still can't touch it. Things have changed, but they haven't changed. There's still, it's still the same kind of thing, but there's like this New Republic kind of gloss over everything that's basically just like, well, we're not the Empire anymore, but we still have the mind flare, and we'll still do it, but while the Empire did it for bad reasons, we're doing this for good reasons, to keep you calm or something, you know? Nothing's changed and everything has changed, and it's kind of this interesting, evolving concept going on in these first three episodes, and I can't help think about how that relates then to With the ending, okay, you bathed in the living waters. So now you're a Mandalorian, and so are you, Bo Katan. And like, it's the thing that it doesn't mean anything. But to to like, to Din, it's huge. It's like this moment of great personal change. And like, after he says this, all the other Mandalorians are coming and like patting him on the shoulder and like, good job, good job, good to have you back. And they're doing it to Bo Katan too. And she's just like, what the hell? Well, it is. Yeah, it's really with uh, Coruscant and and Din, it's like they're kind of back where they started. And it's almost like everything is the same, even though all this stuff has happened. They're back where they started from. And what does that mean for them? Like, is that what they want or are they ultimately going to make a change so that things are different than where they were in the past? Because right now, I guess we know what the sequel trilogy, eventually things change for the galaxy, but also within, we don't know if things are going to change. Cause yeah, the, he's right back where he started from. He just has cooler armor now and a, and a baby. It, and it reminds me of uh DJ in the last Jedi. Good guys, bad guys made up words. And it, it's the same thing again in the believer. It's, it's all what you believe. That's all over this episode. If, if, Din wants to believe that he's a Mandalorian again and he's redeemed and all is good, then okay, sure, great. If Pershing and these people in the amnesty program want to believe that they're free of the influence of the empire and they're not just blindly following orders anymore, but also they don't have names anymore, they're just numbers and stuff, like if they believe that's the right thing to do, then okay, but it's. That's the thing that's like this episode is like heavy and dark. <laughs> and we saw the opera house again, which we'll be talking about, I'm sure. And in there we learned about like the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. But here we learn about the tragedy of Penn Pershing. If this episode came up on the screen and it was like chapter 19, The Convert, underneath that it should say The Tragedy of Penn Pershing. And I think it's it's taking me a while to, I won't say warm up to the episode because I, I liked the episode, but I think, you know, you are um, bringing a good point that it wasn't just because it felt, I wouldn't, I don't want to say slow, but I mean, it, the episode kind of took its time and especially compared to the the previous two Mando episodes, which were kind of just like at a million miles an hour. It was definitely much more leisurely, but yeah, I think it's the the undertones of just like, it looks bright and goofy and there's, you know, creatures and all kinds of nonsense everywhere that it is really kind of a dark, depressing story. It's like Brazil or something where it's like, it's just depressing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it looks wacky, but it's not, doesn't feel wacky. Right. It like the wackiness is just distracting you from just how dark and and gloomy and kind of uh, hopeless everything is, at least for Dr. Pershing and, and his new friend who's not his friend at all. And it's funny because I totally got like a Brazil vibe when he, when Pershing is at his little cubicle and he's talking to his boss and he says like, Oh, I need a 20, a 27 D slash six. That's not what it is, but that's, it's a very Brazil kind of thing of like the, Everything is, you know, controlled by this faceless kind of corporate thing and being a cog in the machine. And I love Brazil is one of my favorite movies of all time because I love that very, very dark, depressing story wrapped up in this wacky kind of blanket as a story. And that kind of this episode. This episode ended very much like Brazil on a kind of like yeah nothing's okay like what what's going on like this is dark but yeah it was a very terry gilliam episode and i think at first i I didn't ca- i didn't catch it i think because i think well know, with all these episodes it's just like it's overwhelming it's new star wars it's dr pershing like if they sent out a survey card like would you like an episode all about dr pershing yes or no i would have checked the yes box so it's like this this episode was for me yeah, it's it's really, the more I think about it, just how really kind of a, it's almost like a cruel episode because, and I, I don't know, it really makes me curious where they're going to go with his story from here because Aliyah, is that Aliyah? Aliyah, Aliyah? Aliyah Kane, yeah. With her character, she's obviously still up to no good. So yeah, I'll be curious to see what's going on with that. But yeah, it was like just going out of their way of like, her trying to not just trick him, but to like pretend to be his friend. And then, I don't know. It's just, it's just, a it's just mean. <laughs> <laughs> and like I was saying, it's playing on this new kind of smile face painted on new Republic, which is so bold of them to kind of do that. Because I remember like when we first saw like X-Wings of the new Republic flying around in like the Mando season one or something, we were like, Oh my God, that's so cool. Then now it's the new Republic, And there's like X wings flying around even in like resistance where there was like, you know, ships of like the new Republic with like the, the colors and the stars around like the Alliance symbol and everything. it's like, Oh, that's so cool. But then to like really kind of show in a really interesting way, the decay within the new Republic that, would lead to the first order like watching this episode i was just like oh yeah you can see it where it's going to come from it's all over and the new republic was very flawed it wasn't perfect it makes me think of everything in the sequel trilogy in kind of a new way through this episode of like the way the jedi came back and this kind of reset that happens in the sequel trilogy with the empire and the the Resistance and the Jedi with Ray and everything. its It just made me think about all this stuff that's coming forward, because this is like, this episode is kind of like the roots of that thinking, and it's still tied into the Mandalorian story of the story of change and the convert, and it, I just thought it was fascinating. Well, and I still wonder, with her character too, like at first I was like, oh, maybe she's still, you know, working for Gideon, and, and she's trying to get Pershing back but then it's like well maybe she really is converted to the New Republic and she's just going to keep being nasty but for the New Republic like it's ambiguous enough that at this point she could be working for either group and it wouldn't seem out of place like the New Republic could have just as many nasty people doing nasty things that the Empire did and it's just has a fresh coat of paint on it or she's still trying to recruit people for the first order i don't i guess we don't know that yet yeah at first i thought she was just completely 100 percent still pledging her allegiance to the empire or whatever is going on with the first order out in the the unknown regions or something but yeah when i watched it again i was like yeah m- is she or is she just like that twi'lek says at the end like doing her duty as part of the amnesty program, but she's the one that led Pershing to the cloning place. And she took what Pershing had, but does she even know what to do with it? And if they wipe Pershing's mind, would he even still know what to do with it? Yeah. That's where I keep going back and forth because it's like, it seems like he's the last of the cloners. He's the last of what we're, potentially gonna get keep seeing in Bad Batch of the Mount Tantist group with Nalise and all of that and Dr. Hemlock and in his glove and all that stuff, that that Pershing was the only one left, which is why he was, you know, hanging around with Gideon and potentially what, taking Grogu's blood and doing all that stuff. So I could see the Empire wanting to get rid of him so that information goes away. But we know that cloning comes back. We know we get Snoke, we get Palpatine, so It has to come from somewhere, so it seems like that it would make more sense that they're just trying to get Pershing back on their side in however they have to do it, which would make me think they wouldn't want to completely wipe his mind or he wouldn't be able to do the work. I don't know. Mysteries. Star Wars mysteries. This is the hot stuff. This is the hot, hot, hot conversations. This is the good stuff. In my opinion, that's the thing. As much of this episode is a bummer, it gives you the hot thoughts. It makes you drive past the school. I was wandering around all day today, just thinking about cloning. And every once in a while, I had to kind of take a step back. Be like this is glorious. I love these conversations in my head. No, it really, it's true. It really is. And and it was so unexpected to to get this deep into this stuff so quickly in this season because i think if maybe you know for people who didn't get into this episode i couldn't see where it would be jarring because i mean after last week's you know we're moving a million miles an hour they see the mythosaur and i do kind of love that they went this route with the story where it's like right at the beginning she's like did you see the mythosaur and he's like what and she's like okay never mind like it's it's kind of cool that they're just leaving it for later, but it's also for the story. I, it's really interesting that they're basically, you know, because we're all assuming, oh, it's the Mythosaur. Din's going to ride it. He's going to be like Boba. But it's like, oh, no, Bo-Katan's the one who saw it. And it's like, oh, it did it wake up for her? And at this point now, yeah, she's... She's got a lot of stuff to think about. If she was driving kids to school, she's probably going to make a wrong turn because she's got a lot going on in her mind with the Mythosaur, with what does it mean to be a Mandalorian, all that stuff. Glorious, glorious thoughts.
0: Brazil best picture by the los angeles film critics association time magazine says a terrific movie one of the 10 best of the year a remarkable accomplishment the new york times brazil is as good as they come usa today starring jonathan price robert de niro and kathleen Hellman.
1: we're all in it together kid
0: rated r now in select areas check newspapers
2: go let's get into the chunky bits let's recap and talk about all the fun stuff that was going on in this episode like we were saying it starts out right where chapter 18 left off and yeah din wakes up and he he's psyched he's like i'm redeemed (laughs) and he like he gets a sample and for a minute i thought he was gonna drink it (laughs) well maybe he maybe he took a sip back on the ship we don't know and yeah, I love Bo has some questions for him. Yeah. Did you see anything alive down there? What do you mean? Bocatan secrets. Well, you know, and like a lot of stuff now, did we really see it? Was it really there? Did she just see it? Now we don't know. What does Bo want more than anything? She wants to rule Mandalore. It her sister was the Duchess, her sister was in charge. Even when she was in Death Watch, she's seen a Mythosaur. She knows where a Mythosaur is. She knows what that means, and it's a lot to process. And she's—I don't think she's quite ready to talk about it yet. If the if it was really there and it woke up, did it wake up for her? Did it wake up for him? Did it wake up for both of them? She wants to rule. He doesn't care, but he has the dark saber. So there is definitely there is something special with the with the two of them. And we don't know what it is, but the mythosaur is excited. It's, well, it's like everything in this episode where it's almost saying like, it's gotta be this or that. Either you're Empire or you're the Amnesty and now you're with the New Republic or you're a Mandalorian or you're not. And it's like, either you have the Darksaber or you're riding the mythosaur, whatever. It can be both. It could be Bo and Din ruling together or like all the rules like we've been saying for a while might go out the window kind of like they do with all of this stuff in the sequel trilogy like we're saying like the reset of everything i don't know we don't know who does know i don't know favro Favreau, Favreau no know? do favor Favreau know? does bo know I I kept thinking about those commercials all last week after Bono's I know Jedi. Remember the Bono's commercial for Nike the Bo Diddly? Bono's baseball. Bono's football. Bono's basketball too. Bring that back, Nike with Polkaton. Bo Bono's Jedi. Yeah. And we got this awesome, awesome dogfight with like a little side cannon coming out of the side of Bo's ship. I was so excited with TIE Interceptors being back and them fighting. I literally, I remember there was about halfway through the, the fight. I was just like, man, I don't even care if they ever make Star Wars movies again. I was like so ex- <laughs> excited just, just watching that part. It's like, I don't even need a Star Wars movie anymore. Just give me TV shows with Mandalorian ships fighting TIE Interceptors it looks so good it looks so good it's like what are we even looking at what is this and i love that it's daytime ship action and then yeah just raising the outrageous level where din wants to get back to his ship so he's like bo just fly over my ship and i'm just gonna jump out (laughs) (laughs) I've, i've been watching attack of the clones too much he said i'm just gonna jump out and float down he gets in his ship. Yeah. And he does like a total wedge and Tilly's move where he shoots a ship flying straight at it and then flies through the explosion. And we're, you know, again, watching this too, it's like, we're so spoiled. I I had to like, again, take a, mo- a step back during this daytime ship battle scene and just being like, just look at this. This is so good. Look at this. We got a Naboo starfighter, Shooting at tie interceptors, yeah. And there is a Mandalorian starfighter with R five D four and a baby Yoda in it, flying around next to it. But, like we we're saying too, in this this opening daytime ship battle dogfight thing, it's a clear example that when Bo and Din work together, they make a really good team. Yeah, they're unstoppable to the point of them bragging that they didn't; neither of them even got a scratch on their ships. And then out of nowhere, a bunch of Thai bombers show up, which again, kind of like the the Thai interceptors and I was just like, oh wow, it's Thai bombers. And they blow up Bo's castle. I think right about now, we have got to pour one out and have a moment of silence for Bo Katan's droid.
0: An unscheduled visitor.
2: We barely knew you. Our time with you, though, Bo-Katan's droid, was so special and we will cherish it forever. Crack open a can of oil and pour it out. Maybe he was outside, because he does like to hang out outside a lot. We'll always make time in our schedules for him. But it is Star Wars, and we didn't see him blow up. So we, we can we can live with that. Yeah, I guess we shouldn't have been surprised that this was going to be a dark, depressing episode because they kind of set us up for heartbreak right at the beginning with, with the droid getting blown up. We should have known. So then we cut, yeah, what, to Coruscant. And, oh, my God, the first thing we see is the Opera House. And I almost blacked out. I was just like, I didn't even believe it at first. I was just like, that is, it was, that. And then it's like, no, that's the Opera House. Even with people going up the stairs, and it's, wow. And what, inside, it's the Penn Pershing Show. I appreciate you letting me speak here tonight. The Amnesty Program saved my life.
1: There are many of us who had no choice in working for the Empire, but now the New Republic has given us a second chance. So thank you. I believe the pursuit of knowledge is the most noble thing someone
2: can do. I really thought when he started talking about the specifics of what he was doing with the cloning program for the Empire was really, really interesting.
1: Sadly, my research was twisted into something cruel and inhumane at the behest of a desperate individual intent on using cloning technology to secure more power for himself. But despite the shameful work of my past, I now hope to help the new republic in whatever way I can. Though that work is now behind me and I regret what I did, I assure you that my original intentions were good. Thanks to the groundbreaking work of the Owens, we know that cloning can duplicate an individual from a single genetic strand. What my work explored was the hopes of combining multiple strands to create replicas that incorporated the best genetic attributes of both
2: donors. The best genetic attri- attributes of both donors. And then when he's going down the stairs and he's talking to some random person... This was really interesting and I actually broke one of my rules and I stopped and rewound it because I was just like, wait, what? Usually I never stop and rewind I'm like, well, I'm going to watch it again and I'll, I'll get it again the second time. But this, I was just like, wait, 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 that was too big. I got to rewind this. It's quite fascinating, actually. The first casts rejected the formula almost
1: immediately. It's quite
2: fascinating, actually the first casts rejected the formula almost immediately and when he says the first casts it made me think of shadow and of the sith with the, like they called him like the strand casts remember that yeah you're right yeah rays father was a strand cast and rays father was a clone of palpatine that didn't get the Force stuff. So they just like sent it out, rejected it. And I was like trying to do the math of like, well, how long is this Mandalorian before you know how many years old is Ray and the Force Awakens? And when was Ray born? And is the father already around? Is like some of these first casts that Pershing's talking about Ray's father? Yeah, I don't know because I kind of was Trying to think that too. I wasn't thinking about Ray's father as much as I was like, well, is, is there already a Snoke somewhere or have they not figured out Snoke yet? It seems like maybe he means that just didn't work. Cause remember in season two, they found that lab where there were the, like the malformed clones in the, in the tanks that, that looked like they were dead. So I, I kind of thought maybe he was talking more about that, that it's like, they know what they want to do, but they haven't succeeded yet. But yeah, the, you know the time always messes with my brain of like trying to figure out how much time there is between Force Awakens and and uh, Mandalorian. But isn't it like it's like 20 or 25 years? It's like 25 years or something because it's 30 from Return of the Jedi. And this is like we're like five years out of Return from Return of the Jedi or something like that. Right. Yeah. When I was trying to think like, well, Ray is like 20 or something in her 20s in the Force Awakens. Man, so then, yeah, so what is going on then? Because her dad would have to already be around. Right. Now I'm even more confused, because then that means, is there a Snoke somewhere? Or a Snoke like only 10 years old, and he's just a giant, shriveled old man child? I mean, I want to think there is a Snoke around somewhere. These, This is what I'm saying. These, This is the things that I was thinking about this morning, where I was just like, bless you, this episode, because you've got me thinking about all this stuff that I live for well and you know that they wouldn't bring this stuff up if they didn't have like an outline somewhere where it all makes sense you know that's what the what the tv shows do that's what clone wars did that's what rebels did it's like that's what bad batch is doing it's like they have the they have the chart somewhere where they're like okay this is kind of how this all works and we're gonna make a story out of it so then where did those guys come from if pershing couldn't make it work Maybe that's why it's all going on on Exegol. And it's like, you know, spooky mummy dudes doing it and they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> but then I was thinking about, well, then that was what we asked back in season one and season two. What did they want Grogu for? What did like Werner Herzog want Grogu for? They wanted him alive. And Pershing was with Werner Herzog in that very first episode. And Pershing was taking Grogu's blood, like, Grogu is like one of the only last Jedi's they can get their hands on and they probably need to keep doing these experiments and they keep they need Jedi blood to try and recreate it. And I was like, it's all making sense. And Pershing says straight out that like cruel and inhuman using cloning tech for like more power. He's talking like he's clearly talking about Palpatine. Yeah. Or at least the Empire. Right. Which we're seeing that in Bad Batch So it's like, yeah, it's all kind of Going on in the Star Wars stories right now As it's Kaminoans cloning The Empire It's all kind of, we're getting bits of it We gotta keep going We gotta keep going because Pershing is going down the stairs And he gets stopped by some outrageous city people
1: You know, I was almost drafted Imagine me serving Oh darling, that was the Empire Oh, my apologies Empire, rebels, new republic, I can't keep track that's why I should just keep my mouth shut.
2: The really rich people on Coruscant don't really care. And we've you know, again, tying in with Andor, it's like with uh Perrin, it's like let's just party. They don't care. I'll party with I'll party with whoever's in power. We just wanna keep the party going got to talk about this fancy man calamari though because they're talking to these fancy people and then this fancy man calamari just shows up out of nowhere well i think you deserve the very best doctor after everything you've been through
0: you're just so brave i'm such an inspiration i'm so glad you're working for us now
2: thank you this episode had the most outrageous mon calamari moments you know, we've had 40 years of outrageous Mon Calamari moments, and this episode is trying to top them all. And yeah, this one, oh man, yeah, him and his buddy, in their fancy clothes. I couldn't take it. I was like, oh, oh boy, yeah. And, the, and it's like, that's the thing. It's, this episode isn't even done with fancy Mon Calamari. No, no, no. And their heads are like extra big now. Huge, huge. It's like how they had, uh, you know, it's like we saw radis and we're like, oh, they have, the, you know, different colors from, you know, where they come from on the planet. And so somewhere on Mon Calamari planet, there's like Mon Calamari's that have even bigger heads and they might be my favorites. Then Pershing is in his little Coruscant cruiser thing with his droid driver, who's just turned around the whole time talking to him. Tell him about all the all the sights to see on Coruscant. I couldn't help thinking, too, that when Pershing is with his little amnesty housing group and we meet M-34 and Pershing is L-52 and G-68 is Eliah Kane. the first thing I was thinking is, like, this is just like THX 1138. Yeah. But is it? some of that too just cuz i i thought they all have numbers cuz it's kind of carried over from like the stormtroopers not really having names which kind of goes back to the clones it's like the clones never had names but the stormtroopers when you enlist you would get your number but then at that point your number was your name right so yeah but yeah it is very thx where they even though they're not in the empire i mean the numbers what their name is it's what they're used to so they're kind of still they're not people yet but like Pershing was a doctor and like Eliac Kane was like a communications person and Pershing is like L-52 and they call him L-52. It's almost like the person you were in the Empire completely does not exist anymore. Like you're a whole new person. And that's just not possible. Yeah. But that's kind of like, again, with going with like the interesting thing with this episode being called the convert and the whole concept of. Well, I'm converted. I'm changed. People can kind of change, but in the end, you're still you. No matter where you go, there you are. The great Buckaroo Banzai said once. I don't, I just thought that was really interesting, and yeah, it reminded me of like the whole THX one one three eight of like taking away someone's soul basically and expecting them to just follow the rules. I don't know. Then we see L fifty two. Pen Pershing at his very serial serial current job like he's like destroying Imperial information or something well yeah he's he's looking through disks at lists of Imperial stuff I think he's like logging it like it's like he's logging Imperial stuff into the new Republic database he's like doing data entry basically Again, it's it's very Brazil I don't think we're supposed to know it's just like you're doing busy work you're just a cog in the machine, like I said. Yeah, it's like we have this here and we need this there. So just take this and put it there. <laughs> Here's a stack of it. And then we get to this Coruscant street fair party thing going on, where the one of the first things we see is a magician doing a trick, which did you know that this magician is Dean Cundy, world-famous director of photography who also shot this episode, shot Every awesome movie from the '80s you can ever think of, but also there's a magician on *Coruscant* who who pulls a a little dragon with a frilled lizard face out of a a piece of fabric or something. He didn't have a hat, I don't think, but I'm just was happy to see more lizards. I'm a lizard man. And I love when they're walking around to the music. We, we were talking about this earlier today with, uh, with Sky talkers that the music sounds like the music when you walk into Epcot Center. <laughs> but it's, but it's uh, March of the Resistance, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's so crazy. Which is extra awesome with with Rebels kind of turning the Imperial March into a real song the Imperials would play. And it's now like the New Republic has their own song that they play. That's actually the song from the their own little, you know, the New Republic version of the Imperial March to play. They're walking around eating these glow popsicles which are awesome. And the background is totally Ralph McQuarrie straight out of the, the illustrated star Wars universe book from 1995. He's saying he wants to continue the work. He, i then you believe Pershing though, like he's coming from a really good place that like, he's talking about like his mother and organ cloning and like the practical use good that cloning could do in the new Republic. And, was she is trying to get him to think about like stealing the parts. And I love her line where she's talking about following orders,
1: following orders blindly is how we got in trouble in the first place. Sometimes you have to trust your gut and your public is trying their best, but they're struggling.
2: Like her saying that too. And then thinking about everything in this episode following orders is what got us in trouble. And it's the same thing we keep talking about, where it's like, no, we've changed, but nothing's changed because everyone in this episode is just following new orders. Well, in watching the episode the second time, all these lines feel a little different because we now know that she's saying all the stuff that sounds right, but she's lying. Does she really believe any of this? Or she's just saying this to trick Pershing into doing what? she wants which is to get him to get the stuff from the lab which we still haven't figured out why she wants him to do that well think of the armorer too why why can't they take off their helmets why is all this such a big deal is it just because it's what one person thinks is the right thing to do and they came up with this and everyone else just blindly followed this well it's it's just the way it was so that's the way it is kind of thing So she convinces him it's for the good of everyone. And then we have one of the many scenes of Pershing going to like his droid kind of parole officer kind of situation. Apologies if you didn't hear me. Have you experienced any feelings of anger or resentment? No.
0: Thank you for continuing to
1: Our main objective is to help the Republic, right? Correct. And that supersedes everything else?
0: It does.
2: Thank you for continuing to be an important part of the amnesty program. Have a nice day. He's talking to the droid, the droid who has no legs. It's just a, a chair that's a droid. So again, you got to, we take stuff. So, we got so good. Take way too much for granted. We got daytime dog fights, chair droid parole officers. We got giant head Mon Well, and it's a droid asking you how you're feeling and it's like the droid really doesn't care how you're feeling you know it's like i guess the whole sort of thing where it's like they the new republic's kind of going through the motions of being the good guys but are they really being the good guys when they have these people talking to a droid that is the least human droid to that they could have like it's not like a very empathetic droid it's literally a droid that just it might as well be you know calling uh on the phone, and you get like the phone robot that tells you to push a number, you know, based on what you want to do. So,
0: what's wrong? Nothing, nothing really. I just feel that like I need something stronger. If you have a problem, don't hesitate to ask for assistance. Yes, thank you. I'll be all right. Call three
2: four eight. Well, think about it too. Like in the, in the the New Republic prison back in season one, it was there were droid prison guards. There were droids. Taking people's tickets on the Coruscant subway, there's a droid parole officer. It's almost like the it's like the thing of the new republic, like just have droids do everything. But I mean it's it's kind of I think going off the whole kind of sad thing of this episode, that's like Dr. Pershing, it sounds like he wants to be a better person and he wants to help people, but there's no one to for him to talk to that can help him. Cause literally the person that he has to talk to is a droid, and the droid isn't actually listening to what he's saying. The droid just wants to make sure he says answers the questions correctly. Cause he even asks the droid for help, and the droid's just like, no, you can't do that. It's the tragedy of Penn Pershing that he thinks he's doing like a very noble good thing. And he got played. He got duped. It's so ugh. No, we got to keep going. So yeah, what they 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 let's go to the mobile lab station. There's the whole metaphor also all throughout this episode of the little travel biscuits of the comfort of the empire, which I love that that is like this running me- metaphor all throughout the episode. And they look like uh, shortbread cookies. You ever had shortbread cookies? I I've, listen. I want a travel biscuit right now. If there's not travel biscuits at Batu. Next time we go, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start flipping over tables. Yeah, shortbread cookies, it's like flour, butter, and sugar. That's it. That's all that's in them. It's the good stuff. Dr. Pershing knows what's up. StarWars.com better have a travel biscuit recipe any day now, or else what are we doing? So then they go on the subway, which again, like, let's not take this for granted. It's the inside of a Coruscant subway, and... Not only is there a dude reading a newspaper with, like, goggles and headphones on, there's this big, amazing guy with a goatee and a heavy coat. Yeah, so many good aliens. Well, and I love, for whatever reason, Star Wars on TV is obsessed with trains. Bookaboba had a train. We have a subway train here. Andor had a train. It's like, just bring on Star Wars trains. Solo had a train. Let's just keep it up. I'm kind of into Star Wars trains. And there were gratuitous shots of the train. And I love, it's a little moment, but I love when Pershing is on the Coruscant train and he just takes a moment to look out the window and smile and kind of admire the beauty of Coruscant. It makes you feel so bad for Pershing. Yeah, because he's, that's like the best day of his life is that train ride almost where it's like, yeah, you can see it. Like he feels like he's at peace. He's happy where he is and he's happy about even though he's nervous it's like he's happy that they're doing this because it seems like he's genuinely wants to help people it's, yeah so dark so cold <laughs> so yeah the ticket droids come out and uh elia tells him that they they're going to the shipyard and they have to jump off they jump off it's all really cool with, like the platforms in between the train parts and all that again pershing is like a little kid and he's like i've never done anything like this before. What they go into the the old Star Destroyer and there's like little critters inside. Yeah, those little bugs that were like eating the eating the wires with their little glowy eyes. So good. And kind of before they go into the lab, they have like a little personal moment where they get to know each other as people. Like the first time you watch it It's like almost kind of heartwarming And you're like oh are they gonna kiss or something This is great
1: I must have passed you on Gideon's ship a hundred times I'm sorry I never introduced myself I uh, You don't have to apologize That's not how things were back then No Now it is Eliah Kane, communications officer. Dr. Penn Pershing, scientist. <laughs> nice to meet you, Dr. Pershing. Here it is.
2: Yeah, but then the second time watching it, when you know what happens, it's like, this this is some cold-blooded stuff. Like, I don't... Because like, <laughs> she didn't need to do that. So it's like, what... What is she working towards here? Because, yeah, that was just like, it's cruel almost to go that extra mile to like, hey, we're best friends literally minutes before she's going to turn on him. and We didn't even know Pershing's first name. We didn't know her name until that moment. And even in that moment, I'm like, your first name is Penn. I love that so they go in and pershing gathers up all the stuff and there's like weird sounds and lights outside and they they escape they get out of there and then like it's it's like canto byte there's like new republic police that stop them and when i first watched this yeah i thought the police were in on it all cuz so i was like oh my yeah he's been set up the police don't do anything to elia but then it takes a, like maybe the second time where you're like oh they think she's like doing her duty as like an amnesty person and turning in this person who is willing to steal equipment that you're not supposed to take or something. I mean, she must've let them know maybe even before they left the city. Like it, it seems like that they knew where they were going to be like that. She let them know ahead of time. Right. Like Pershing is not rehabilitated he wants to steal this stuff from the ship he wants to continue his cloning stuff when actually it's all her idea and she persuaded him to do it yeah it's it's rough it's really rough and then yeah i thought maybe things were getting better when we see the wacky mon calamari come strolling out good morning doctor No, I know. And it's like, this is the goofiest one yet. Like, he's so goofy and his head's so big. And and you're like, this is insane. But then it just, yeah, it just gets the darkest of the dark, where it's full-on Terry Gilliam. The wackiness is going to kill you, basically.
0: What did she tell you? We understand that the adjustment can be difficult. No, no,
2: no. I I think there's been a mistake. I wasn't trying to help
0: you. Indoctrination by the Empire is challenging to overcome.
1: Uh, n- wait, uh, this is a Mind flare.
0: This is a 602 Mitigator. It's a non-invasive experimental treatment recently approved for rehabilitation. No, it's a Mind flare. It's a similar device, but we found at low voltages it can be used to help soothe select traumatic memories. You'll see some pleasant colors, uh, hear a light buzzing, huh, and experience a yeah. great sense of relief in no time at all. You're gonna wipe my mind. Absolutely not. This isn't the Empire, son. This device is used to heal. I've been through the treatment myself, in fact, and I found the experience quite refreshing.
1: Please, just let me explain. I was just trying to help.
0: This will only take a moment. I'll be here when you wake
1: up. You don't understand. She brought me there. It was a trap. Please, I just wanted to help. She sent me up. Please, you set me up.
2: Again, it's such a dark, crazy metaphor because you know it's the, the it's not a mind flare. Or whatever the the Mon Calamari person says, it's something that no, no, no. What are we? The Empire? Forget it. This is this is calming and soothing. But then when they're up in the booth, the dial still goes to eleven. <laughs> right. Right. So if it's all for good and just chilling out and being mellow and just getting your mind off stuff, then why does the dial still go to 11? Well, you know, and it, and it also now that we're talking about it, it almost makes it seem like, you know, Pershing was logging all this Empire stuff and then they're supposed to be destroying it. But are they really destroying it or are they just repurposing it and saying it's, oh, no, it's this new thing? Because for all we know, that Mind Flayer thing was from one of the Star Destroyers that they decommissioned and they just put it in their in their lab and they're like, oh no, this is a new machine because we don't we only turn it up to three. Which is what the Empire did with the Republic. Yeah. They just changed the paint job. <sighs> yeah, and it's yeah, like you said at the beginning, it's just playing with the whole idea that it's all the same stuff. And even though the the names change and and maybe the people at the top change when you get down to the the trillions of people on Coruscant and, and in the galaxy, things don't change as much as it may appear. You know, you laugh at the goofy people on Coruscant outside the opera house, but almost what they're saying is right. Like who can tell the difference between the empire and the rebellion and the new Republic. So then we go, we go back to Mando. I thought the episode was over with, Eli had taken the bite of the biscuit, but no, we go back to Mando and he takes her to the children of the watch. There's a gratuitous shot of the wing of Bo's ship when they land, which is greatly appreciated. Super landing shot. And then we get the, the mommy daddy baby shot of them walking together. The little, (laughs) the Mandalorian family out of the cave come a bunch of really cool looking Mando's really, really cool Mandalorian suits. And he's got the proof. He gives the armorer the water and she puts it in her magical little Beskar cauldron thing. And she's like, You're redeemed, Bo's redeemed, everybody's redeemed, you can join the cult.
1: He speaks the truth. These are indeed the living waters. Dinjarin, you are redeemed. This is the way.
2: This is the way
1: and Bo-Katan Kries. By creed, you too are redeemed. But I do not walk the way. Did you bathe in the waters? I did. And have you removed your helmet since? No, I have not. Then you may join our covert and live as your ancestors once did. You may leave anytime you wish. Until then, you are one of us. Welcome, Bo-Katan of Clan Krees. This is the
2: way. This is the way. And I love, though, in this end, where they're all congratulating each other, like we said, and I love the one of the very last last shots, the camera keeps going to Bo and you can't see her face, but then it cuts to the Regal Robot mythosaur skull on the wall, where she's just looking at that Tom Spino mythosaur skull. And she's just like, these people have no clue. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure she's also thinking about, I just saw that thing with skin on it, and I don't know what that means. Everybody's making Everybody's having this great party Because you can't take your helmet off And you put your foot in the water And now you're all good And this doesn't mean anything yet And she's looking at that skull Just being this like You guys don't even know That thing is alive Like just on the next planet next door And what does that mean? Yeah, it's good stuff Star Wars on TV is where it's at Next week is chapter 20 it's chapter twenty and it'll be episode three hundred and fifty of Blast Points. It's a lot going on. And we'll and we'll be halfway through the season. Put me in the mind flare so I can forget and I can watch the whole thing again. That's always the the, the saddest part of Mandalorian being back is it goes so fast. Those eight episodes just fly by. But like I was saying, this episode, which, how, which as dark as this episode kind of is, it got me thinking about the sequel trilogy again in a new way and thinking about how the events in those movies reset everything. And I started thinking about how screwed up the Mandalorians are by the end of this episode and how Bo looking at that regal robot skull on the wall, she's it's like they're telling you that... With all this fake change, all this fake convert going on, that, yeah, real change is coming. Like, heavy stuff is coming, just like it comes in the sequel trilogy. It's coming to the Mandalorians. Because that Mythosaur is coming out of the water. Like, they're not going to just leave it down in there looking spooky. Well, and that's even, you know, with the Dr. Pershing stuff, too, and all the Coruscant. Like, I don't think this is the end of that. Story. I mean, Doctor Pershing's been here since the beginning of the show, and kind of giving us hints of what's left of the Empire, and now the beginnings of the First Order. Like, I'm sure it's not the end of that in this show, or even in Ahsoka or Skeleton Crew. I'm sure all of the those storylines are kind of they're all out there, and we're going to find out more as we go on. Exciting times! It's really, really exciting times. We 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 still don't know what's going on with Gideon, because that was the thing we forgot to mention too when they when they were talking uh, at the beginning with the other uh, amnesty people of like no one knows where Gideon is. there's rumors that he died, there's rumors that he escaped well, and who sent out the Thai bombers like where did that fleet of Thai bombers suddenly show up where they knew where Bo-Katan was, and that like maybe two Thai bombers could have taken care of that castle, but there was like ten of them or more so who's sent there's someone on a star destroyer somewhere nearby sending out interceptors and bombers what's going on there's a lot more to cover we're going to be here every step of the way folks we're not going anywhere no we can't we can't no it's impossible (laughs) we're glued to our televisions and our couches (laughs) literally (laughs) we're stuck
0: Empire Strikes Back collection. Action figures each sold separately.
1: Chewbacca's hurt too. FX7
0: has eight movable arms. The medical droid
1: did it. You saved me Rebel Soldier. Why? When the force is with you. Your duty is to do good.
0: FX7 Rebel Soldier Imperial Stormtrooper, and Chewbacca. Action figures each sold separately from Star Wars. The Empire Strikes Back collection from Kenner.
2: everybody you know the deal apple podcast reviews when you get done listening to this we love it if you would go over there and write something nice about blast points so other people can find this show when they're looking for what's this star wars podcast talking about the mandalorian blast points will come up and be like i'll try that and if you listen on spotify leave us a five star over there too a five-star review over there too and check out our website blastpointspodcast.com and make sure you're following us on instagram twitter and facebook and if you're on facebook make sure you're in the super chill group if you want to support the show in a different way we got the blast points army on patreon where we got oh my god two more bad batch recap episodes on their Pabu and tipping point That's going to be the next one. And then we got the big two-part finale of the Bad Batch. I can't believe the Bad Batch is almost over, too. What is going on? It's flying by. Everything's flying by. Then, after that, we're going to have commentaries for Mandalorian Season 3 episodes. So we're going to be busy over there on the Patreon for a while. And something else we're going to be busy with very soon. It's, again, just like Bad Batch. It's coming so quick celebration london we're not going to be there we're not going to london but we are going to be at my house doing something every day maybe by the time this episode comes out maybe we'll have already talked about it on social media but we're going to be doing something every single day and maybe you people listening right now can be involved in it who knows what's going to be going on all i know is i will be unglued from my couch and potentially glued to your couch Hijinks going on So everything that happens over in London We're going to be talking about it We're going to be covering it We're going to be watching the live stream Every day, nonstop. Getting up at like (laughs) 4.30am It's going to be great We're going to be British for four days I'm going to be dancing around like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins Chim Chimney, Chim Chim (laughs) Cheroo We'll spend our afternoons cleaning out chimneys We might Yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be really fun there's going to be a lot going on and as we get closer we'll be able to talk a little bit more about details because things are still coming together but it's something to look forward to and it's going to be a lot of fun but that wraps up number 349 here talking about the Mandalorian, the Convert what an episode geez louise again thank you all so much for listening and we will be talking to you next week bye bye May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.
1: There's nothing magic about the mines of Mandalore. They supplied Beskar ore to our ancestors, and the rest is superstition. Bo, you don't know diddly. Me the force, be with all of you.